0: Pray a moment together. Lord, thank you this morning. We praise you as we come to the scriptures. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and illumine them, open them, give us wisdom, revelation, and understanding that we might be drawn to Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We are beginning a new preaching series today in which we'll be looking at this thing we call the church. Church. And we're going to see over these next few weeks that the church is not so much about a place and it is not so much about our convenience or about some kind of club that we join, but instead it's about people and it's about God's call upon our lives, upon your life, upon my life, upon our lives together. And it's about being a part of a spiritual family. You would think after approximately 2,000 years that most people would, by now, kind of know what the church is. And yet there's still so much confusion, both inside the church and outside of the church, about what it really is and what it's supposed to do. There's a lot of confusion. The first confusion has to do with this wonderful thing we're sitting in, right? This building that we're in, or that you might look across the way and see over there. We hear people all the time saying things like, I'm going to the church. And by that they tend to mean that wonderful little building over there on the circle at Seven Farms Drive. Or, or that lovely stone building under the watchtower on Sullivan's Island. Or uh, under the, the water tower, excuse me, on Sullivan's Island. Or at the end of the business district over in Ion. And somehow the church is a building. There's a story about a guy who got marooned on a desolate island, and he was all alone. After five years, he got rescued. He's climbing into the boat, and his rescuers are like, are you okay, and how's it going? And they're they're sort of observing the beach, and and they said, well, what's up with those three huts? And he said, oh, that first hut, that's my house. And, And the second hut, that's my church. So, well, what's the third one? Oh, that's the church I used to go to, <laughs> as if somehow the building is the church. Now, it's crucial to know as we begin the series that when the Scripture speaks about the church, it's always referring to a people, a people and not a place. The Greek word for church is the word ekklesia. In fact, why don't you say that? See, you learn some Greek today, whether you learn anything else. You can say, I learned a Greek word, ekklesia. Ekklesia is a word that means a gathering of people. A gathering of people, not the place where people gather. A gathering of people, not the place where those people gather. And so the church consists of all those people in the local assembly, as well as all those people throughout the world and throughout the ages who profess or have professed Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's the church. That's what the Scripture is speaking about. To be a part of the church means to be a part of those who have been called out. That's actually what ecclesia means. ecclesia means. It is the called out ones. And it refers to those who have been called out of the world by God, called out of darkness and into light by God. Those who have been called out of and away from their separateness from God and into a relationship with Him. Now, you can choose to remain separated from God in this life and for all of eternity, God never forces himself on to people. But the thing about it is, despite what the show The Good Place might indicate, there is no good place apart from being united to the good one. And the scripture is very graphic in the way it describes what it would be to be separated from God for not only this life, but all of eternity. Describes it as like a fire that always burns burns, a worm that always eats, right? It describes it as weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, some of you probably have TMJ or, you know, you're a tooth grinder, right? I can tell because I watch you, right? And sometimes you're just grinding them in here, right? Now, TMJ teeth grinding can be a really rough thing. Our dentist friends in here can tell us all about it, right? What it does to your teeth. That idea of gnashing of teeth, though, it would be more like, imagine if you broke all your teeth so all the nerves were exposed and then you were grinding. Forever. That's the idea of this separateness from God that we are called away from. And that happens through our faith response to him and his offer of forgiveness of salvation in Jesus Christ. Ultimately, The called out ones are those who are called out from their separation and called into this relationship that is not just for a short period of time, but for all of eternity. We are called out and we are called into, joined together with Christ into his body. And not just me alone, but us. We are called out of that world and into his body, joined together we receive the Holy Spirit, we're made new, and our baptism is the mark, and it's the symbol of this newness of life, this faith in Christ that we hold. You might look at the scripture sheet there in that first Corinthians lesson. Thank you, Darren. You read it beautifully, by the way. It was a long one, and and you helped us, I think, not to get lost in the length of it. If you just look at verse 13 there, the end of your second line, For in one spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Christ, we were all baptized into one body, that's the church, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, no matter where we started, right? no matter who we come from, what people we're out of, what our station in life is, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Then down to verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. That's the picture we're given. There are a number of pictures the Scripture uses to describe the church, but one of the most prominent is the body of Christ, that we are the body of Jesus Christ on the earth. He is in heaven now. We as his people are his body here on the earth. And just as your hand, everybody grab your hand and just feel it, this a little kinetic learning right just as your hand is a member of your physical body there you go you can whack your friend with it if you want right just as your hand is a is a member of your physical body it's connected it's important right it's essential we would say yes you could live without it but it couldn't live without the rest of the body for long it's integral it's living that's how tightly connected you are to Christ and to the people of Christ in the church, that's how tied to one another we are. If your hand is separated from the body, it doesn't last long, does it? I mean, you could keep it on ice for a short period of time, and, but, but it, it's going to die. It will die very quickly. It will shrivel up and stop functioning. The Bible knows nothing of isolated Christians, disconnected Christians, Christians who are off on their own. Well, I don't really need the church. I can be a Christian on my own. Actually, the Bible says you really can't. It's impossible. And those who do that actually end up shriveling and dying, becoming disconnected in that way. To be hopping around from church to church to church, that's a new kind of American consumerist trend. The Bible knows nothing of that. It just would be anathema to the Apostle Paul. An unattached Christian is a dying or an already dead Christian. And while faith has to be personal, I cannot give you faith. You cannot live my faith. You can't survive on your parents' faith or on your uh, wife's faith or your husband's faith. It's personal. It's never individual in the sense of isolated, alone, disconnected, or cut off. It is a, a corporate There's a corporateness to it. You might notice, and this is just a little aside, when we go to our time of confession, you'll see that later on today, um, some people say, well, why don't we stop longer and go through all of our individual sins and spend a lot of time? Sometimes we do that as the Spirit prompts, but you'll notice the language we use when we make our common confession is the language of we, We confess, we as a people, we as the body of Christ, confess, Lord, that we've left things undone, right? We've done things we ought not to have done. Yes, as individuals, but as a connected people coming before his presence as we come to the table of the Lord to celebrate the Eucharist and what he has done for us, we cannot be unattached and live for long, The Bible just doesn't understand that, and and it's just not a thing. It's an American thing. It's not a scriptural thing. So you might ask, what's the purpose of these called-out ones and this, this body of Christ? Why has God decided to do it this way, connecting us to his body, connecting us to one another? Well, we can go to that really long gospel reading we have there today. Take a look at that in John 13. There's a reason we kept it short. We, didn't, we wanted to give you just, like, here it is, guys. Here, here's the meat of it all. A new commandment. This is Jesus speaking. A new commandment I give to you. John 13, 34, and 35. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another the number one responsibility we have is to learn to love. That's why he doesn't just take you off to heaven when you get baptized or when you come to faith. Is because we need a lifetime of learning how to love because love will be integral to all of eternity. That's what it will be like for us in the presence of the Almighty God. Um, We will be overwhelmed not simply by the mystery of all of who God is, but of the unfathomable riches of the love he has that will never end and will never grow less and will always be directed toward you as an individual and toward us and all the universal church for all of time. It's going to blow your mind. And we start to learn about it here. And we don't just learn about it in the easy ways, like with the people we always like. We actually learn about it with people who we might not have chosen otherwise. You may not have chosen that person sitting on the row near you or in front of you or behind you. You probably didn't, but he did. That we together might learn what it is to love, to be a people of love. That is our number one responsibility. He doesn't say that learning to love is gonna make us happy all the time. That's American again. He doesn't say that that in loving each other, you'll always feel safe and comfortable. Again, that is American. No, it's that the world, look at the text, that the world will see this love that we have for one another, and they'll recognize Jesus. They'll know that you are my disciples. Key word there is the word my. Jesus' disciples, Jesus' followers, and that then points to him. They'll see our love for him through our love for each other, and they may come to know and love him too. But in order for us to do that, we've got to know each other. We come together like this on Sunday in a large gathering in the congregation to worship, to celebrate, to pray, to receive the sacrament, right? To celebrate what Jesus has done for us in his death and his resurrection to have the scriptures open so that we might be strengthened for our ministry out into the world. But, but we've got to come together in other ways as well, in ways where we actually share life together. And, and that is hard to do for an hour on Sunday morning or an hour and 15 minutes depending on who's preaching. right? We've got to to come together in smaller groups, and that's why we have made life groups the heart and the center of our ministry at Holy Cross, of the call God has for this people. Why? Because it's entirely biblical. Because it's hard to love the people over there if you sit over here. It's even hard to love the people over here if you sit over there. It's too far away, too much distance, not enough time. And so we ask you to get involved in life groups because that's how you grow in love. That's how you grow, by sharing life, by studying the scriptures, by helping and serving and rejoicing and praying and even suffering together. Suffering, that's that's anathema to Americans. And yet we all suffer. We all have heartaches. We all have challenges, traumas, difficulties, brokenness. And we, we actually need each other there's a, some of you might remember, there was a beer commercial a few years ago. I know you're like, I'm hearing about beer commercials in church, but the point is that the beer commercial was of these two guys, and they're like, I love you, man. Anybody remember that? Okay, that, that side of the room, the, ba- the band remembers <laughs> the beer commercial. Of course they do. Right? I love you, man. And the other guy goes, no, I love you, man. I love you. Right? Okay, band, you'll be with me on this. So so that's actually, even though that was a, a beer commercial, that's actually there's a there's a um a Russian folk tale about two guys by the name of Ivan and Peter. And they're in the story, they're gloriously in their cups, which is another way of saying they're in the beer commercial, right? <laughs> and and they started up. I love you. No, I love you, no, 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 I love you. At which point Ivan says to Peter, if you love me, tell me what hurts me. To which Peter says, how in the world would I know what hurts you? And his response is, how can you say you love me if you don't know what hurts me? See, we need to go deeper in each other's lives, opening ourselves up in ways that expose us in vulnerability to knowing each other's not only strengths, but also our weaknesses, our challenges, the places where we hurt so that we can be Christ's presence to one another sharing this journey. And when we do that, the world will see that we are his disciples. There's that old song, people are looking for love in all the wrong places. The world is looking for love. And they're looking for it in all the wrong places. And by God's grace, eventually, the things that we try to fill that gap with will run out of steam, right? Success, power, money, living in the right place, wherever that might be. And our hearts, which are always restless until they find their rest in God, because they're searching for that connection of love to him, will eventually turn to see or look for something real and something different my prayer is that holy cross would be known throughout this region but specifically this campus of holy cross would be known on this island and in this area as those people who not only love god and faithfully receive the sacraments and and know the word of god but that we would be known as those people who love who love each other that's actually our purpose, that they might see our love and they might know him. Let's pray. Well, Lord, could you do a supernatural work in us, not only releasing to us all the gifts of your spirit that Paul described in First Corinthians 12, but would you also release in us a love for one another, a love for you, a love for one another. We can't force it, Lord. We have to enter into it willingly. But as we do, we know your spirit will give us what we need to do. it. So Lord, do a work in me, do a work in us, do a work in this gathering of called out ones, the people of God at Holy Cross. For your sake and for your glory, we pray this. Amen.